0: if you ask chatgpt to write a 10 minute survey to evaluate customer satisfaction it can do it in about 6 seconds when i first did that it made me really go well what role does research play in the world of ai for me I'm not just looking for a supplier i'm looking for a thought leader like i want to be on the cutting edge of what's going on and i'm sure they were working on it and i'm sure they weren't talking to us because they were busy working on it like you don't know what you don't know right and if you don't hear what's going on or you don't get any guidance around how to make the most of the situation you start looking elsewhere especially when you're hearing that value and seeing that value elsewhere
1: Welcome back to the How to Sell podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Preston-Enzi. And as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you've joined us for what will be a cracking episode. Now, if you're a first-time listener, I just want to say thank you so much for joining. We hope you take away some valuable insight that'll help you sell more. And if you're a long-time listener, thanks for showing up each and every week. Both my co-host and I value... Uh, having you part of our community every single week you help us sort of get inspired to create this content. and there I said it Dave, my co-host.
2: you did like it, it felt natural this time apart from the last few episodes <laughs> where it's been a struggle for you.
1: Uh, yeah I still I still can't deal with the fact that But before we jump onto this this week's episode and introduce our guest, um, don't forget to hit the subscribe button um and follow wherever you're listening to this podcast um because the more subscribers we get it's not just so that we can inflate dave's ego because we know that dave loves his ego getting inflated it's so that we can continue to bring some incredible guests like we have today so dave i'll let you do the honors of introducing this week's guest and our topic
2: 100 thanks Louis. so we've got john bevitt and he's the md ceo the head honcho at honeycomb strategy John runs one of these interesting companies where they're always they're interviewing, they're doing studies on different brands and and their consumers. And I've always been captivated by the research that John and the team do. There's always some crazy insight. So today's going to be really interesting and packed full of um, some golden nuggets. So I can't wait to dive into it.
1: All right, so John, thank you and welcome to the How to Sell podcast.
0: Thanks for having me here, guys. It's great to to be here.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, mate, before we jump into this week's episode um, to pick your brain about how you buy, um, would love it if you could maybe just give us a quick introduction. I know that that, that uh, Dave introduced you, but could you maybe just give us a quick intro to a bit about your background um, and what you what what you currently do in your role?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, to give you a bit of background around Honeycomb and the work that I do, uh, I have to think about how I would explain it to my mum because uh, it's, it's a very hard industry to explain to people who don't know what market research is. Um, I, every time I tell my mom, she's like, are you the one doing the phone calls about the surveys? And I'm like, yeah, sort of mum." But essentially what we do is we work with big corporates to essentially help to make sure that their products are delivering uh, fit for purpose and serving customer needs. So in, in terms of what that means in practical terms, it's about how can we accelerate product market fit? how can we develop a compelling go-to-market strategy and how can we deliver an effective brand campaign? So that's kind of our trifecta that we do. Um, In terms of my my role at the company, so as uh, MD, uh, it's really about directing the the big picture and the strategic direction of the company Um, and we're in peak scale at the moment. So it's about building, I I guess, um, a series of automated engines that run on its own and building a team of great people with great minds and I love to
1: work with great clients. Yeah, awesome. So we'd love to know, and thank you for sharing that. um, And I can't wait to break this topic down, right? Because um, what we love to do on this podcast, and this podcast is designed to help um, sellers rethink the way they approach buyers so they can actually start seeing things from the buyer's perspective, right? Um, Would you be able to maybe share with us a, a recent purchase? And I'm not talking, you know, like a, a laptop purchase. I'm talking of a significant purchase that required yourself and multiple people in your team to get consensus on a decision that you were making where there was a, there was a bit of money involved. Um, could you maybe talk us through, you know, what, what did you buy? You don't have to talk about company names or anything like that. Um, Mm. but could you just start with, yeah. (laughs) Um, what did you buy and what was the trigger? Like what happened in your business? For this to become something that you and your team had to look into
0: yeah so a really good one that comes to mind and i'm sure a lot of people have experienced this recently is um a third-party ai solution um so being in market research uh if you ask ChatGPT to write a 10 minutes if you ask chat to write a 10-minute survey to evaluate customer satisfaction you can do it in about six seconds um, yeah. When I first did that, it scared the shit out of me, hard in the French, um, and it made me really go, well, what role does research play um, <laughs> in the world of AI? And I guess when I took a step out, went for a walk with the dogs and came back, I then went, how can I use AI to augment what we do? Um, so essentially what we did, uh, I'd say about 18 months ago, started to just experiment with different AI platforms. And some are great, some are not so great, um, but there was one that we tried, um, for about six months and the, the product itself was really good, but the yeah. offering itself wasn't fit for purpose. And in the end we had to make a, a call to drop it because it didn't serve us. Okay. How um, did that make you feel, John, going mm-hmm. into that space where
2: you're looking at purchasing something that's you know, critical to the business, it could change the business. What was that sort of uh emotional roller coaster like?
0: Be- being forever the optimist i was i was quite excited about it because I, I had known about ai I, I had known like many of us that it was going to disrupt us in some form or fashion i didn't know it was going to go straight to to the heart and the, the wallet um so i was yeah i was i was very curious and i was quite excited but i was also quite i guess critical because i knew how quickly things were changing and that makes for interesting context when I guess the company is trying to marry you and lock you into a long term contract when there's an industry that's changing every week. Yeah.
1: And I just want to confirm you went down the process, but you didn't buy.
0: We went through, we ended up using them for about six months um, yeah. and, and then made a call that it wasn't um, feasible to lock into a contract, just given the, the economies and the maths uh, and the value we're getting yeah. back for it.
1: Okay, so you and, and this is interesting. So six months, and do you mind sharing um, with our audience uh, who in your team was involved in that in that selection process?
0: Yeah, for sure. So our business uh, is composed of eighty percent um, researchers, so client facing okay. um, researchers, a mix of qualitative researchers, so they're the ones that do focus groups and stuff, and quantitative researchers mm-hmm. that do the surveys. Yeah. This impacted them both. Um, so we, had a, it, we actually had most of the team involved running from juniors who would be end users through to our senior researchers who would be the more strategic kind of executors of it. And then, yeah, managing director and, and my partner, the founder. John,
2: when during that process, so like you made the decision to, to give it a try, right? Uh, hmm. All that six month period um how was that decision made what was the sales process like during that was it a trial or was it we're gonna sign up for six months and then look to pursue further H- mm. how was the the sales process during that um, engagement like
0: yeah so it landed and ended up in a trial um, but it was one of the very few cold emails we actually responded to um, and I get a lot of cold emails um, a lot of them end up in junk um, but what got us got our attention what it was was that it was quite well thought out. It spoke specifically to our industry and our industry challenges, uh, and it got my name right, which is always a win. Um, and so that kind of uh, made us go, actually, yeah, this is very topical. We've been curious about it. They, um, we like risk reversal. They had a really good framing about going. You can trial this risk free. Uh, actually, new mm-hmm. in this industry, so keen to get your thoughts because uh, they they didn't yeah. have a proposition for research as well so if it was framed more as a bit of a exploration partnership type thing which made us a lot more furious about it
1: yeah that's interesting i love that so and i was going to ask you what was the origin you know how did you come up uh, how about this conversation got started so it's great to hear so somebody proactively reached out to you obviously the the topic was something that was on you know on the top of your mind um, so it was a kind of a good timing um And they knew your industry challenges and they knew the industry that you were working with. So it goes to show that they did a little level of research, right? Um, Do you mind walking us through the fact that you started the trial? So something piqued your interest. You're like, yep, it's topical. Let's talk to them. At what point in the sales process did they start to define the problem that you were experiencing that their, their solution could help or did that not occur at all?
0: it didn't occur so essentially they went we have the solution and for one of a better way they're looking for the right problem to solve in our industry um and yeah. I, I think I'll, in this case i was glad that it came into my inbox because i knew exactly what problem it was solving and for us in ai it was about um being able to look through unstructured data at scale uh because we have a lot of yeah. that in research um, and like I already knew and the outcome for us was that it reduced the, uh, I guess amount of time it took us to get to an insight by 80%. So that's time that our team can spend on higher order, more valuable tasks. So mm-hmm. they, they essentially had the solution, but they didn't know the problem. And I think they were quite fortunate that I, I knew exactly what it would solve for. Um, and that's when I jumped on, um, and organized the call with them. And it was great. That was a human I could interact with off on the other end. Um, and that's where we got to experiment with things a bit.
2: And during the trial process, John, was that same salesperson involved in helping you to adopt the the technology or did it turn into handballing it to someone else? Look, what was that sort of experience like from, okay, we've got you on a trial. That's you know mm-hmm. part one of the sale done. Part two of the sale is adoption and ensuring that you get value from that product. Can, can you walk us through that process?
0: Yeah, for sure. So they were, they were involved or at least looped in the comms end to end. And I found that very valuable because well, just being an agency ourselves, the last thing I know our clients want is to be handballed to someone. Um, they often commit to a specific person uh, in professional services. And that person that I'd spoken to had been given all the context um of our business and so it was important for us that they were involved um and and they were essentially the key contact um and they were very helpful in i guess evolving the solution to work around our problems so it was still a work in progress for them and they were able to go cool based on this we could um actually work on making it more relevant to you guys so being able to have that opportunity to be on the front line and be able to experiment and feed into the product itself um, Mm -hmm. was pretty exciting
2: Pardon the interruption, but I have to let you know about this free resource. The Grow Forum newsletter has over 10,000 subscribers that are learning how to sell. Each and every week, we send you tips, strategies, and also some tools and tech on how to achieve the most out of your sales pipeline. If you're ready to level up, sign up for free at growforumio forward slash newsletter and get the first
1: issue this week. But obviously, you know if you had the problem, you were clear on the problem that you were seeking to solve. Like you said, you got all this unstructured data, you wanted your team to spend time on sort of higher value tasks. So you had a clear understanding of that problem. Where did it break down where it went from, I know the problem, I, I can see it's gonna solve this, I can put my people to X. Where did it break down for you guys to say, you know what, this is not the right solution for us.
0: Um, where it broke down was in how they structured their pricing in the end, which is a really weird thing. And um, I, I could almost feel that they were chasing bigger companies. So in terms of their pricing strategy, it was a locked in contract. Uh, you pay for a 12 month subscription up upfront, um, all that sort of thing. And as a, as a leaner, smaller company, That wasn't sustainable for us where we were like, can we structure it in a more monthly uh, proposition, that sort of thing. And it seemed a little tone deaf. Mm -hmm. So knowing everything that was happening in AI, what I felt with how their model changed, because they actually changed how their pricing structure was offered when we were trialing it. It felt like they were trying to hold on to their nest egg for dear life before ChatGPT took their business elsewhere. That was the story I had in my head, whether that was true or not. Is another story, but um, we were going, hey, given everything that's happening and how things are changing, they they weren't giving us confidence that they were able to evolve as quickly as what's happening more broadly, and so we made a, a call not to to lock into a, a long term contract.
2: Right, Luigi, do you think there's a, an issue there with the right questions being asked to John? You know, based on the size of their business, you know, they would know if they're chasing a particular. You know, price point type of customer that they may have missed the mark. It seems like something so simple there.
1: Yeah, but I think yeah, something's obvious. And and obviously, we can we, we will break this down. But um, if the the problem from a if the customer or the client or in in this case the prospect had a clear definition of the problem, but they didn't clearly define the problem and they weren't able to say capture. What's it costing? Because in my opinion and in my eyes, I go well. If I'm actually able to say this is how much time you're allocating, this is the cost per hour that your team is spending on X, and if we redeploy these resources to B, that's the opportunity gain, right? Because they're not just saving time, but they're gaining something, and that's 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 the sort of criteria that needs to be in the business case. Because if it's not there, then all you know, all John and his team are seeing is well, this is what we have to pay for this service, right? Yeah, so if that's cost. not quantified, I don't know. Uh, that's actually a question I would love to ask. Um, was mm. that quantified internally without them? Because usually, you know, what our practice is, we like to actually co, co- you know co create that business case. But it, but obviously they didn't do it. But did you at any stage with your team? actually quantify what that saving will be and what the impact of redeploying resources would be
0: yeah we we did the maths pretty quickly given we're data nerds so we're just like okay how much did you actually save we even created some specialized timesheets to actually do a control group and test against it like we we went nuts on it and um we could definitely see that we're getting the benefit for it i think the biggest thing for us was that we were afraid that we would be left behind by committing oh, to them God. for more than a year, given like hey. every, every couple of weeks something was new coming out on Chat GPT, as an example. So, there was a big fear element there,
2: yeah, you know, and confidence to pursue the you know that particular vendor. I, I'm, I'm interested, John. Look, did you end up solving the problem since you met with this group?
0: Uh, yeah, so we end up using a couple of different tools. ChatGPT is one of them, like, like our whole team has on their favorites as a go-to. Um, that just keeps evolving end-to-end. We have a pro version of that as well. So that um, gets us, I'd say, about 80% there to what we're paying for the other player. Um, so it's interesting in a, a space of disruption, like I feel like we made the right call. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I, I was one like I was actually disappointed we left them because they were doing so well up to a point, and then I felt like they they changed direction, and all of a sudden we felt that we weren't being supported anymore.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting right because you know in, in, you found a way to get it done, um, but if you if upon reflecting on that process, um, because obviously that's a bit of a time commitment, right? You also spent six months investing mm. in that in that process um if you were uh, like reflecting sorry darren cut that out sorry (laughs) (laughs) um my words got jumbled i'm reflecting on that process john um you know if you could go back and do it again what would you do differently
0: yeah good question i to be honest i'd probably be a lot more transparent with them and i think by the pointy end of it we were pretty transparent but i think it was like we're well, getting just enough value from it. That we're like, yeah, I feel like this trial is working. Um, the econ- the economics of it was working as well for a little bit, um, but then it didn't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if 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 we were in this space and everything was stable, it would have been fine. It would have been just another subscription we sat on. Um, but there was just so much, I guess, turmoil and excitement going on more broadly, and that was it was very hard to ignore that. Um, and so it was very much a, like a grass is greener type of issue we had there.
2: Look during the trial, John, like what was there any additional value that the vendor tried to create to reinforce the position? Like you mentioned in there, there's a whole range of, you know, turmoil changes happening in, in the marketplace, especially within AI is changing weekly, mm. um, at the moment. Did they, obviously it seems like they didn't generate enough confidence that they were staying ahead of the curve. Um, was that the case? Yeah,
0: absolutely. We weren't getting any comms in terms of going, well, here's what's happening. Here's how we're addressing it. Or here's how yeah. we're solving for something similar. Um, so it's that whole, like in, in a, in an information vacuum, you tend to fill that in yourself. Uh, and it wasn't being filled in with anything good.
2: <laughs> that, that That's a great comment there, right? So like, if it's not been yeah. explained to you or told to you, you're making your own assumption up Correct. and the assumption that's is absolutely. always, unfortunately the negative, they're not doing X, they're not doing Y. Um, you know, it's always the narrative that the the consumer always has in the head, which is, uh, you know something that we really need to be cognizant of when selling, uh, to, to organizations. If we're not communicating enough, uh, of about the situation, especially in a crazy changing environment yeah. that our customers are making those decisions on their own behalf.
1: Yeah, we, we see this all the time, right? Um, those soul, and then they become sole objections that you never hear and the client's made the decision. And to some extent, they've actually made the decision based on the wrong information, right? Because they've uh, they've come up with their own answers, and you know it's really interesting, John. I'm actually in the moment. Um, I'm, in, I'm in the process of renovating a house, right? And there are so many decisions that you have to make, and and this is where I, I like to uh, relate this back to a good sales process because I'm needing experts like an electrician and a plumber now. Sure, you can watch a YouTube clip and try to fumble your way around, and hopefully, if you're in, if you're working with electrical, you don't kill yourself, right? But, but there's a reason why you pay these professionals. And there's been moments where I've kind of been looking at problems and going, "This is how I would solve it," right? With plumbing and even carpentry. But then when I've got the experts in, they're like, "No, don't tackle it this way. This is how you do it." And who am I to say, no, don't tackle it that way. Like they're the actual experts. And I'm like, and they say, well, this is why you do it in this way. And this is what we'll do. And I'm like, here's my money, right? There is no, (laughs) you know, now that they've, and I, I sometimes think that the sales process and the salesperson don't see themselves as that professional. And they're not leading with that level of expertise and guiding the buyer through the process to say, hey, you might not be purchasing this all the time we are doing this all the time we are experiencing these problems all the time and therefore you should probably navigate it this way if you want to get this outcome
0: right yeah absolutely like for me i'm not just looking for a supplier i'm looking for a thought leader like i want to be on the cutting edge of what's going on um and i'm sure they were working on it and i'm sure they weren't talking to us because they're busy working on it Uh, but yeah like you don't know what you don't know right um, and if you don't hear what's going on, or you don't get any guidance around um, how to make the most of the situation, you start looking elsewhere. Especially when you're hearing that value and seeing that value elsewhere.
1: Yeah, well, this has been great, and I think, Dave, as we come to the to the end of our first segment, I've been and I always judge, John, I always judge a good episode by the amount of notes that I've taken, and uh, I've got a whole page of notes here, right? So, um, there's been a lot of key takeaways. I don't know if you've realized how many nuggets of gold that you've dropped for our audience, but there's heaps. There's actually heaps of stuff. And Dave, we've got a lot of stuff to jump into. So yep. um, just before we let you go, though, John, where is the best place for our audience to find, connect uh, with you?
0: Yeah, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. So John Bevert, T, or reach out to us on our website, honeycombstrategy.com.au.
1: Awesome. We'll make sure those links are in the show notes. But Dave, I'll let you, given that you are the, the, um, the co-host, um, oh, thank you, you Louis. Did the intro. I'll let you do the outro for our, for our guest this week, before we jump into the second segment of the how to sell podcast.
2: No problems. Well, again, thank you, John, uh, for joining us today, you know, shared some great nuggets as Louis mentioned, we're going to dive in now to how we're going to, how would we approach selling to you and then. Maybe, Louis, this time here, we can tackle in this very similar format of mm. getting John's team into a trial and how we would nurture that through to close based on you know what we've learned today. So, again, thank you, John, and uh, catch you at the next uh, event we see each other at. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm actually keen to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> Do you have a great product but are struggling to reach more customers? Are you spending hours on sales activities that aren't generating results, leaving you feeling frustrated and discouraged? The Sales OS program is a step-by-step operating system that will help you slash your selling hours in half while rapidly growing your revenue. In under just two weeks, you can be well on your way to creating predictable revenue. In Sales OS we'll show you how to build predictable sales pipeline, build lasting relationships with your customers, and sell more in less time. The art of negotiation and motivating and leading a successful sales team. If this sounds like something that you need in your business, visit growforum.io forward slash sales and apply to see if you have the right mindset to achieve predictable revenue. The sales always program is your ticket to predictable revenue. Don't wait any longer. Apply today. Well, Louis, what a cracking episode that was. Mm. Um you know, John was going to brought some crazy insight there. And I really didn't expect that process, you know, six month trial. yeah. And I felt he was almost emotionally attached to wanting to see these deals succeed, but yeah. the numbers just didn't stack up. Let's dive right yeah. into that. How would you approach this?
1: You know, the reason why I really liked that conversation because it just, it reinforced again, Dave, the importance of thinking about the wider buying committee. And even in a smaller type business, there is always more than one person involved in that decision-making process. And John, you know, mentioned he had his senior researchers, he had his junior researchers. So the strategic thinkers to the users, to his co-founder. So there was a lot of people involved in that process. So they weren't taking the decision lightly, right? There was also, as he mentioned, there was a lot of fear and emotion that was driving their actions. Yeah. Because he said these things were happening and that in the end was what killed the deal which we'll talk about in a moment right but how would i have approached that a little bit differently to sell to john and his team first things first i think the gap in the process was the lack of communication and education right and we often think you know from a marketing perspective that hey you've you've generated the lead you've got an op marketing's job's done and this is where the alignment piece is so so important and bringing the two together because even though he decided to sign up for a trial which it looked like it was more of an intense trial because they were it was kind of like part of the sales process um there was no information that was being shared there was no value that was being created right and you heard john he's looking he's not just looking for a vendor he's looking for a thought leader Mm. um what killed the deal in the end was the lack of confidence they had that the product could continue to pivot to enable them to achieve their goals. Yeah. So, and, and the reality could be that the product could actually achieve that outcome, but John and his team answered those questions themselves. And we see this often in the sales process that the buying committee has questions and they answer those questions themselves and in some cases they're not giving they're answering them wrong yeah there's a lack of information so they actually are not creating the right relevant picture for themselves based on those questions and they become silent objections that kill the deal we spoke about this before the before the episode right about
2: yeah ourselves starting to do a bit of multi-threading with accounts in a situation when someone's in a trial would this be a perfect case of trying to reach out to more than just John and just from a place of, you know, expertise, try and share a bit of information so they know that you're a thought leader or do you think that's yeah. too much?
1: Well, I think I think in this case and what it, what I would have done differently and what we do, Dave, is as they're progressing through that funnel, right, from top of funnel and they did a great job, they created a new opportunity from a cold outreach message tick yeah right time right trigger right message got even landed in spam and they still got the call mate fantastic right Mm. um so that's a big tick but as they went from that first meeting they didn't this is the other gap they didn't do any business case analysis they didn't actually work with them on developing the business case they john and his team did it but the the actual provider didn't and Potentially, they might not have actually created the right business case for them to make their final decision. Because he mentioned pricing was the, the reason why they didn't progress. And that's really unusual because a lot of the times pricing isn't the reason why people don't progress. There's something else, right? There's a hidden, hidden objection. Yeah. And that hidden objection, actually, he, he shared it with us. It was the confidence. It was a yeah. lack. they had a bit of fear in the product's capability, right? So it actually wasn't price. Yeah, If you picked that up during that conversation, it was fear that stopped him from moving forward. So this is where, again, there was a couple of key things that we would have done differently. We would have helped them develop the business case. We would have determined what were the key questions I were looking to be educated on. And we would have nurtured them with a level of content and education and checking before progressing, right? Big key, Yeah. Checking before progressing to make sure that they were comfortable as they progress through the buying journey. And I think the key takeaway for all of our audience um, listening to this, it's as your buyer progresses through the funnel, their level of education, the requirement starts to change. And the message that we deliver top of funnel needs to be different bottom of the funnel. And as you're getting to that bottom of the funnel, remember, task tension starts to kick in. People start to second guess. It's that whole buy, you know, that buyer's remorse actually kicks in before they make the decision. So think about what could those concerns be and how do you address it through your content, through your engagement, and ultimately through the final proposal that you put on the table, it should absolutely address those concerns and it should show a clear roadmap on how you would mitigate those concerns to achieve a certain outcome well we, thanks mate another masterclass
2: reversal selling session with uh <laughs> yourself another great episode plenty more to come out I think let's wrap it up mm. here great way to end it and just one thing as well just so happen to be that we've done our, our own growth forum survey and it's this survey it's 15 rapid fire yes or no questions that will help Mm. you, that's it, you listening to this episode because you're in B2B sales if you're listening to us, will uncover the gaps in your selling process. So that link to this survey is going to be in the show notes where you're listening to this episode and it's going to give you an instant report once you fill in those 15 rapid-fire questions on how you can overcome those results. So click the link, go through the process, and like we do every week, we'll see you next week on the How to Sell show.